Okay, if you'll notice in the body of Christ, we do a lot of teaching about spiritual weapons of warfare. We talk about the blood of Jesus. We talk about the name of Jesus. And we talk about the word of God, which is our sword. We talk about the word of our testimony. That's, that's one of our weapons. And we talk about praise being a weapon of warfare. We talk about all these things and what they can accomplish, and that's so important. But today, I'm wanting us to talk about what is Satan's mightiest warfare weapon, because that's so important. Did you know that it doesn't matter what Satan's attack happens to be against us? It doesn't matter what it is. It can be against your physical body. It can be against somebody's marriage. It can be against whatever. It really doesn't matter. The target toward which Satan is going to aim first every single time is going to be the mind. Now, he, he na- aims at our thought process. Now, you've probably heard this a thousand times, but Satan's battleground is the mind, and it is. I'm wanting us to see today what the weapon is that he uses. Now, your spiritual weapon warfare scripture is always going to be, first of all, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. It's very important. You need to mark that reference in your Bible because it's one of your main spiritual warfare weapons. Verse 3 tells us, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. You know, so many people, Christians, war according to the flesh, and they're going to lose every single time. We're in a physical body, but Paul tells us that our fight is not going to be against flesh and blood. We're going to have to find out how to fight the enemy if we're going to win. So uh, he's letting us know now what our warfare is and how we're going to win that warfare. And we're not going to win it according to the flesh. So we've, we've got to learn how the Bible tells us to do it. And that's why Satan's goal is always to try to lure us into a fleshly battle. You know, you know that. He's always trying to pull us into that, a physical body where maybe we blow up or we use bad language towards somebody or we do something in the natural and that'll never work against a spiritual enemy. But Paul's telling us here that we're going to be walking in the flesh. We're going to be walking a physical body, but we are not going to be warring in that physical body. You're not going to do any kind of warfare in the physical body that works. Now, all the natural weapons that we use, you can use arguments, you can use put-downs to each other, you can use dirty language, you can do all these kinds of things, which we've been taught to do since we were tiny. But I'm going to tell you what, they're never, ever going to work against a spiritual enemy. So you can forget it if if you think you're going to win that way. And that's why verse 4 then says, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. In other words, they're not going to be natural weapons. They're not going to be any kind of physical weapons that are going to work against the spiritual enemy. But the weapons he gives us are divinely empowered for the destruction of spiritual forces. Okay, this group has been taught a lot about the enemy. But we're going to have to keep reminding ourselves that since it is a spiritual enemy, the only way we're going to win is if we use our spiritual battles, our spiritual weapons for warfare. Okay, now we're going to be concentrating in on verse 5. For we are destroying speculations. I'm quoting that out of the New American Standard. Some of the translations say uh, we're going to be destroying vain imaginations. I like both of those because there are vain imaginations that come. And we're going to be destroying every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. In other words, these things are raised up to contradict the word of God. Everything Satan does is to try to contradict what God's trying to tell us. And we're to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Okay, now this verse 5 is describing your satanic warfare. We need to circle that and we need to read it pretty often to remind ourselves the battle we're in. Now you're going to find that your warfare is always going to be in the mind. Always. 
Satan's going to attack you in the mind first. And these strongholds that he has, all of them are strongholds in the mind. Okay, now we know where the battle's taking place, but what is Satan's weapon? That's what we need to know today. If I gave you a chance to name some of Satan's weapons, I'm going to tell you what. Some of you would be naming sin. You'd be naming temptation, sickness, poverty. You know, some people would name divorce. Some people would name pride, hurt. So we could go on and on naming the weapons that Satan uses against us because he uses all of these. But a lot of people don't realize that these are not his primary weapons. Those are secondary weapons. They come as a result of the primary weapon that Satan always uses. So we need to remind ourselves often, what is it? What is Satan's primary weapon? If you know what that is, you're going to know how to fight the battle. What is the weapon that he uses against us? Okay, now you're going to find out that his primary weapon is always a thought. Always. That's Satan's main weapon. If you know that and know how to fight it there, you're going to start winning a lot of your your battles. Now, it may be just a mental impression, but it's still a thought that comes into your mind. could be a memory recall, something that's happened to you in the past. And, oh, you stop. And when that memory comes, you better do warfare. I can promise you. Or maybe it's just a subtle suggestion that, that you halfway don't even pay any attention to. Now, if the battleground is in the mind, then we're going to have to remember that the weapons... Uh, that he uses are the thoughts that he places in our mind. And then all of these other evil things, all the things I named, the divorce, the hurt, the offenses, all those, they come as a result of a thought every single time. Now, this lesson is so simple, but even though it's a simple lesson, if you'll put it to practice, I promise you'll start winning a lot more of your battles. Okay, now Satan's mightiest weapon of warfare are the thoughts that penetrate the mind. Now, it can be a conscious thought, or sometimes it can be a very subconscious thought, you know, where you, you, later you think, I don't even remember thinking that. I don't even remember saying that. But God's wanting us to become aware of those subtle thoughts that pass through the mind that we pay no attention to. Uh, sometimes it's just something that kind of flits through your mind, and you're not even consciously aware that it happened. But whether you're consciously aware of it or not, I'm going to tell you what, it's going to make its mark. That's why we have to be watching for it. Okay, what many people are not aware of is that demon spirits come in the form of a thought. I've been so shocked that when I'll talk to another Christian, they, they haven't even, it hasn't even crossed their mind that Satan comes to us in the form of a thought every single time. And most people don't realize that. But if a demon spirit of fear comes to you, that demonic spirit is going to come every single time, first of all, in, in, in the way of a thought. And if we realize that, we're, we're going to start being aware of the satanic warfare that's coming against us. And if you'll start thinking about it, I mean, it happens all day long, sometimes even through the night. Now, another thing the enemy does, he sends those thoughts always in first person. And that's one of his favorite tricks. And that's so that we'll think that that thought is originating with us. You know, something that we thought up on our own. Now, see, Satan doesn't want us to realize that those thoughts are coming from him. And that's why he sends them in first person. You know, I must be taking the flu. I feel so bad. Or I'm so depressed today. I, I don't know why I'm so depressed. Or I, I feel so hurt I really got hurt today. And since those thoughts come in first person, we think it originated in our own mind. Even when we know 
how he comes in first person. Sometimes we don't pick up on it because it, it, it feels like it's ours. It comes in first person. But it's going to be helpful for us to realize that Satan really doesn't have any other tactic than this. This is his main foremost tactic. And he doesn't have to use the other tactics other than this because this is his primary weapon. And if Satan can put that thought through to us and get us to finally adopt that thought as our own thinking, his job's basically over. He really can just walk away. Because do you know what we do? <laughs> From that point on, we do the harm to ourselves. And I see this happen all the time. I used to do a lot of counseling when we had the church. And I mean, I knew this was going to be involved no matter who I was counseling with. Okay, now in verse 5, it says, these are lofty things. These thoughts are lofty things, it says, raised up against the knowledge of God. Okay, it's talking about these ideals that come through our mind that contradict the Word of God. And they become lofty the minute we allow them to take precedence over what God's Word says. They become lofty. Okay, have you ever had thought comes that contradicts the Word of God and you, you kind of let it just take precedence over the Word of God without even realizing it? It just seems so real at the moment. It was in first person. And when we get symptoms on our body and we start saying, oh, I'm sick, you know, I must be taking the flu, we're letting that thought take precedence over the water, Word of God that tells us that we've been healed by the stripes of Jesus. Anytime we, we say, I've been sick or uh, I'm... I don't know what's happening, but I must be taking whatever. Stop right then and realize you're letting that thought take precedence over the fact that Jesus has already borne all of our sicknesses and diseases. And any time we think those thoughts, what we're doing, we're elevating the thought of God and it becomes a lofty thing. That's what God's talking about when he calls it a lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God's word. Now, the demonic attack will always be a lofty thought. It's always going to be a lofty thought. But we're going to find that we're going to lose the battle if we handle that thought any other way other than how God tells us to, uh, to handle it in verse 5. So you need to circle that verse 5 because he's telling you exactly what to do. It says that we have to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Now that just sounds so simple. But you know, really, God's ways are so simple. When he tells us, just take the thought captive... We'll win every battle if we do that. Now, we can try positive thinking, and positive thinking is going to work up to a certain degree. But ultimately, it's not going to take care of, of these thoughts. And uh, we can busy ourselves and get our mind off the problem, and that's going to help a little bit. And we stay busy, especially if we're doing good things. But there's absolutely nothing that's going to work for any length of time unless we do it the way God tells us to do it. And His ways are so simple. That's what's amazing, you know. And um, you take thoughts captive simply by believing what God says more than you believe that lofty thought. And you say, well, I do that, you know. Well, do we? When I start saying, oh, I feel like I must have the flu. Did I take that thought and submit it to God's thought? No. And you're going to find out throughout the day, you're taking a lot of thoughts from the enemy and you're giving them precedence over what God's word says. And when I started noticing that and picking up on that, I thought, oh, my goodness. But we do that all the time until we start training ourselves to realize what we're talking about today. Now, we have to start saying, Lord, I'm going to believe you more than I believe those thoughts that come into my mind. That sounds so simple. 
but it will win practically every problem that ever comes your direction if you'll do it. Okay, now this is very important because the enemy will usually always accompany those thoughts with what? A feeling. Always a feeling. And we're so used to giving in to our feelings, and that's because we feel it. It's real, you know. And that's why so many times we get carried away with that attack uh, because that feeling is what we notice first. And that's no coincidence. Now, this is exactly the plan of the enemy because if he can get us to concentrate on our feelings, how we're feeling, you know, then it's going to keep us from realizing that there was a thought back there that started the whole attack. Now, let me give you an example. Have you ever gotten up and you just felt so depressed in the morning and you just had this heaviness all over you? Now, most of the time, we're not even aware that there was a subtle thought back there that started that feeling of heaviness. But there was. There's always going to be a thought behind these attacks. And we think, oh, I'm just tired. I worked so hard yesterday and didn't get enough rest, didn't get enough sleep. But at that point, most people start battling the feelings. We practically all do that. For example, you feel depressed, so you start putting on some praise music. And I'm not saying that that's not good. It's good to put on your praise music. But we're going to have to do more than that. And we start thinking of all those things that we try to do to combat the feeling, but that's never going to be the answer. We will never get to the root of the problem. We're never going to get to that primary attack any other way except how God tells us to do it. So it's no wonder that it's exactly what the enemy is trying to get us to do. It's just a subtle attack, and it's so simple, but we fall for it. But you know what? If we can trace that feeling back, we can always find there was a thought back there, and we're going to find that that thought triggered an emotion. And in this case, we're talking about heaviness. It could have been one of a hundred different things that triggered that feeling. You know, so let me just give you an example. It doesn't really matter what triggered it uh, because there's so many different things. That's why we don't pick up on it. Sometimes a pe person starts saying, well, I'm just not getting any younger. You know, I'm getting, I'm getting old, I'm not feeling good, I'm tired. Or, or we think, I just seem to be getting deeper in debt. Every week, it seems like I'm more in debt than I was the week before. Or I'm a failure as a parent. You cannot imagine how many people come for counseling and the first thing out of their mouth, I'm a failure as a parent, you know. Or that pain that I, I'm experiencing, it really could be something serious. I better check into it. You know, all of us have had those thoughts uh, float through our mind at different times. Or so many people would come and say, I'm just so lonely. You know, they don't realize these are thoughts coming from the enemy. Now, any one of those thoughts could have triggered the heaviness. And we have to come to a place now where we say, Lord, I'm going to, uh, I'm asking you to help me to trace every one of these things that I'm battling. I want you to help me trace it back to the thought that triggered it. And if you'll do that, you'll be surprised how fast you can come out of the problem. See, it's the thought that's the real uh, weapon of Satan, and that thought has to be identified. And once you identify the thought and you say, oh, I don't even remember thinking that, but once you identify it, then you can pull it down and take it captive. And when we do, we're going to find that that feeling will begin to line up with the Word of God. It really is so easy when we know what Satan's attack is and how to combat it. It's easy. We can win every single time. Okay, now let me give you some examples. Let's say that a thought of jealousy comes into our mind. The moment that we accept that thought of jealousy, and once we start thinking about it, and, and uh, we realize, we, we maybe not calling it jealousy, but once we realize what we're doing, and we start thinking it through, 
Satan's job is basically over. At that point, he could fold his arms and he doesn't have to do another thing. Because once we've accepted that thought of jealousy, that person will take over and begin to look for any thread of evidence that he can find to support that uh, superstition that he's feeling. Okay, now I know you've seen this happen, but a jealous thought comes and that person becomes almost obsessed. And everything that happens becomes a suspicion in that person's mind. I, I saw this so many times. We did a lot of counseling when we had the church. And I would see this over and over. And that's exactly what the Bible is calling vain imaginations or, or vain speculations. And that person will mull over that until finally they become miserable. They'll, they'll many times become just obsessed with that feeling of jealousy that thought of jealousy. And often what they'll do, they'll wrestle with it until finally they start accusing the other person. I've noticed, you know, uh, if they leave it there, it's, it's going to move, it's going to travel. And I've seen the time when the accused person wasn't guilty, but I've seen the time when those accusations continued until finally they just thought, well, what the heck, you know, and, and they go ahead and go for it, you know. I've seen this happen with children when they get accused of something they haven't done. Many times they'll just oh start doing it. I've really saw that I saw it a lot with mates, where maybe a man was accused or the woman accused, and finally they just thought, well, if I'm going to be accused, might as well do it. You'd be surprised how many people fall for that. Now, when that thought from the enemy is received, it works just exactly like a spiritual magnet, every single time, and it literally draws into being those things that uh, make the thought become a reality. And it can happen to a male or female. Okay, let's say that the enemy puts a thought of bitterness into a person's mind. You've seen people who have dwelled and meditated for years on something that was done against them. And they, they're constantly, when they're quiet, they'll start thinking about it. And they go over and over that old hurt. And uh, many times they'll constantly bring it up in conversation. You know, you'll be with them and maybe it's something that happened to them five years ago. But it'll somehow come up in conversation. See, Satan's thoughts are obsessive. That's part of how he gets through to us. And often a person will hang on to those bitter thoughts until a relationship is ruined. And it didn't have to happen. Or sometimes they'll keep it up until it becomes a weakness in their body and their body will succumb to a certain disease. Even secular medical science tells us that the bulk of diseases come from thoughts in the mind. I read that one time and I thought, Boy, I've got to put that in my Bible study. It really lines up with it. Okay, do you see the scheme of the enemy and how he's working? Because this is a planned out scheme of the enemy. He knows what he's doing. And it's such a subtle way that often we don't even recognize it. We have no idea. Now, you're going to find that if Satan can put a thought in your mind that something is wrong with your body, then he, he'll accomplish it with some physical sensations but it's the thought that preceded those physical symptoms that we have to find and take captive. Always go back and find what the thought was. And this became a reality to me several years ago. My grandmother was in the hospital, and she had an inflamed pancreas. Now, that's not contagious. But as I was visiting with her that day, she began to describe the pain that she was feeling. And while she was describing the pain, I, I was probably in my 20s, but I was married, and I started thinking about that, and that fear thought came through my mind. Now, I didn't, I didn't remember the fear thought coming in, 
But later, as I thought back on it, I realized what happened. That real subtle fear thought that I was going to have the same thing. I, I think the thought was there that, you know, this is probably an inheritance thing. So I sat there listening to it. Now, it wasn't a conscious thought at first, but if it had been just really conscious, maybe I would have done something about it. But that's why Satan sees to it that it's always a very subtle subconscious thought because he knows that most of the time if it's just a subconscious thought back there we'll skip over it and we'll never think about it but it does the damage doesn't matter whether we're realizing it or not and before I left her room I started feeling some pain you know and uh, I thought what on earth is happening to my body well, before it was over, I was waking up many times in the middle of the night with pain. And I kept thinking, you know, this is strange. What on earth is happening to me? And I started taking authority over the pain. I did know to do that. I wasn't dealing with anything but the symptoms because that's all I knew to do. I hadn't even thought about anything else. Now, we lived in town at the time, and we'd go out to take care of the animals. And I would spend most of my time walking the pastures and saying, Lord, what is going on in my body? I am in so much pain. I thought it wasn't my imagination because I'd wake up in the middle of the night. So I knew that the pain was in the area of the pancreas and I just kept quoting God's healing scriptures. And then one day it was like God reminded me and he brought up the subtle thought that I'd had in the hospital. You know, sometimes we have subtle thoughts and if we'll allow the Lord to do it, later he'll bring them up and remind us. And he just kind of opened up my remembrance, and I, and I remembered the thought that I was dealing with. And uh, it was not the physical symptoms on my body. I started dealing with that lofty thought that had been raised up against the fact that Jesus was my healer. And so, because I was just learning these healing scriptures at the time, and I started taking that thought captive. And this was supernatural because this was so instantaneous that I've never forgot it. I mean, instantly that pain was gone. Never had it again. And I, I sat down that day and I can remember sitting there thinking, it couldn't have left that easily. This had to be satanic. This had to be coming from the enemy. And so, boy, that taught me a lesson that I never forgot. But I wasn't recognizing that primary attack. And I'll tell you this, that experience left me far wiser because I, for the first time, saw the power that thoughts carry. The thoughts carry so much power. That's one of Satan's main weapons. So if you'll remember that, just make a note in the back of your mind. I think all of you know that, but sometimes we need to be reminded. Because I finally realized that it was the thought that had been planted in my mind. And the moment that I accepted that thought that day in the hospital, it literally tried to carry out its evil purpose. And that's what thoughts do. If you accept them, then they start carrying out their plan. Now, we have to come against these lofty thoughts because I'm going to tell you what, if we don't, once a person takes that thought in and adopts that thought as his own thinking, then our body will carry out the assignment. That's exactly what my body was trying to do. It was trying to carry out that assignment about uh, the pain in my body. See, the body constantly tries to carry out the dictates of the mind. And we don't realize that, but the body is working constantly to carry out any thought that you take in and receive, your body starts trying to bring it to pass. Okay, Satan sends those thoughts, just like it says in 2 Corinthians 10, 5. But once we accept the thought, then you're going to find out your whole body will begin to respond to it. Every single time your body will respond to it. It can be a thought of sin. Once you accept that thought of sin and you start thinking about it and you start mulling over it, 
you finally accept it as your own and your body then will start carrying it out. Hopefully in this room, we're not thinking on sin, letting it carry out, but that's what a lot of people do. They don't realize it, but they thought, think on that sin and their body starts responding to it. It can be a thought of despair. It can be a thought of depression. It can be a thought of sickness. It can be a thought of, for some people, it can be a thought of adultery. I've uh, worked with people and they will tell me the moment that that thought of adultery came in their mind. You know, maybe it'd been somebody they had worked with and they were just friends. And they said, if I got them to start talking about it and thinking about it, they could remember the moment that thought became a thought of adultery. Or sometimes it was the thought of a divorce. And if those demonic thoughts are not taken captive, just exactly like God tells us to do now, they will become constant bedfellows. All of a sudden then, uh, that it, it's subconsciously back there all the time. And vain imaginations will begin to grow and every bit of it starts right here in the mind. That's Satan's battleground. Okay, now I want you to think for a moment about ancestral curses, things that have been handed down in the bloodline. Often when you think of a curse that's being handed down in your bloodline, there's going to be a dread back there. I want you to start noticing when it's, it, when it's an ancestral curse, there's kind of a dread back there that accompanies these ancestral curses. The person will perhaps hear somebody uh, maybe talking, maybe they've had a heart attack or maybe they've had cancer. And suddenly, without even being consciously aware of it, there will just be a subtle thought that comes through uh, the person that's listening. It'll come through their mind. Oh, that runs in my family. It's, it's really funny how subtle that little thought can be. And they may not even be consciously aware of thinking that at the moment, because so many of those thoughts come in first subconsciously. Or perhaps they'll go to the doctor and he'll say, uh, uh, tell me what runs in your family, you know. And as they start mentioning those things that run in the family, just a little subtle thought attaches itself to their mind, and they'll think, oh, that is really prevalent in my family. I had not thought about how prevalent that is in my family. And often it's such a subtle thought that they don't pay any attention to the thought. It's just, it's subconscious. Satan usually always starts in the subconscious. But I'm going to tell you what, if you're listening to it, it'll pretty soon take over the conscious mind. Or perhaps it's a curse of outburst of, of anger. Or sometimes this person will just subconsciously think, well, I just can't help my anger. It just runs in my family. My dad was that way. My grandfather was that way. And it's really a hard thing for me. It's amazing how many people will excuse themselves because they've seen it in their family. And it can be so subtle. But if we don't take those thoughts captive, if we don't recognize that primary attack and take that thought captive, I tell you what, pretty soon it'll come on us every time. Now, I can't help but remember something that happened when Bill was living at home. He was upstairs in his bedroom, and when you come out on the walkway, it's open to the downstairs area. And he kept hollering something downstairs to me. He was trying to tell me something. And I wasn't hard of hearing, but I kept getting him to repeat what he was saying. And I didn't realize the thought that went through my mind. But when I got in bed that night, it dawned on me that all day there was a subtle thought that went through my mind what is wrong with my hearing? And then all of a sudden I thought, you know what? My grandmother was almost deaf before she died. And just a subtle thought. But I can remember just almost catching my breath for a moment, you know. And it was so subtle, but it was there. And when I found out about it, I had to do some warfare to get rid of that subtle thought. But we better do the warfare. We better get rid of those subtle thoughts because they grow.
But the moment I remembered the thought, I was so angry that I had allowed the enemy to, to slip into my thought life, and I'd allowed it to sit there in the back of my mind all day long. It suddenly was just back there all day until I finally did something about it. You can get rid of those thoughts quickly, but you have to do it. You can't just let them sit there. Now, when I realized what I'd done, I immediately started saying, no, my inheritance is in Jesus Christ. And I got up and I started walking the floor and taking authority. God's been given us, has given us the ability to take authority, but it's not going to do us one bit of good unless we use it. And if I hadn't taken that thought captive, I, I don't know what would have happened. I, maybe later I would have come up with it, but sometimes we never take it captive and it'll finally get a, a grip on us. But you see what the enemy's trying to do. He's trying to slip these subtle thoughts in. And once we receive them and take them in as our own thinking, it's so easy because it, uh, it comes in first person, always comes in first person. But once we receive that thought, make it our own, we start playing it out in our subconscious mind. And you may not even realize you're doing that. But later when you look back, you'll, you'll realize you're playing that scenario out until we realize what the enemy's primary attack is. See, and if we don't realize it, we're going to buy those thoughts every single time. Now, you've probably seen this happen in the lives of other people, but today I'm wanting you to start realizing what some of these subtle attacks are that the enemy has that comes against you. Okay, let's take a thought of rejection. Once a person listens to that thought of rejection and they start subconsciously thinking, you know, I really don't think people like me that much. And it'll be just a little subtle thought. Or I've noticed that I can be talking and people just ignore me. Well, if that person takes that thought in and starts considering it, they start seeing themselves as a rejected person and boy, they're in trouble. See, that thought's coming straight from the enemy. And once they, they take it in, once they start thinking it through, the enemy will see to it that somebody does ignore them. And it'll be very obvious and they'll start thinking about that, and the time will come that they begin to carry out those thoughts that the enemy has put in their mind. They'll start carrying them out. And they'll begin to pull back, and finally they'll come to a place where they appear to be the one doing the rejecting. If we think we're being rejected, if we take that thought in, we'll start rejecting other people. We'll start pulling back. You'll see them in a crowd, and they'll start pulling back, and they won't enter in. They'll start avoiding contact so that they don't have to speak because they've accepted that they're being rejected. And the tables completely turn, and they become the one doing the rejecting. And Satan just, he's carried out his evil plan, and it's worked. I see this happen over and over and over with people. Now, the sad part is that many times that is the farthest thing from the truth. No one was rejecting them. But when we believe what the enemy's putting in our mind, the damage has been done, and we carry out the assignment against ourselves. We play into it, and then it becomes our deal. And the enemy can just sit back and twiddle his thumbs. A fear of failure would come into a person, and that fear will often cause that person to do the very thing that causes him to fail. You see that in business. Many times, Jack had people that he knew in the business world, and a person started fearing that their business was going to fail. And when they took that thought in, they would start making some really bad business decisions. And there was no reason for it. It was a thought they took in. I've seen college students who feared that they were going to fail a test to the point that they couldn't study for the test. Couldn't even, it's like they're, uh, you know, just a block went up. The fear thought will cause them to do the very thing that Satan was wanting them to do. 
or when uh, a need doesn't seem to be met. How many times I've seen people think, well, God really doesn't care about me. Everybody else's needs get met, but mine never get met. That kind of thinking is a lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And it can only be put down when we come to a place where we recognize it and start taking it captive and believing and saying what God's word says. Because when we listen to that thought that Satan puts in our mind, eventually that thought is going to come out of our mouth. I mean, the, the thoughts don't stay there, you know. If we could just lock them in there, it still would do damage. But he's not satisfied with that. Pretty soon they'll start coming out of our mouth. And then Romans 10, 9 and 10 tells us that finally we've believed it and then we've confessed it. And when that happens, a spiritual law is in operation. Okay, when we do that, what we do, we form a barrier through which God's blessings can't come. It's, it's like we've put up the barrier. Now, it's amazing how many times a person creates his or her own prison with the thoughts that he or she adopts. We, we just create our own problems. Okay, I'm going to make a bold statement, but I believe this. I believe it's impossible for a person who has a serious illness to ever get over that illness as long as he is taking in and hanging on to the thought, I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to get well. I'm going to die. You'll see people that have a serious illness, and they're like, I'm not going to die, bless God, and they'll start putting the word to work. And then you'll see others, I'm not going to make it. This is serious, you know. And many people could have used the word of God and could have gotten well. But as soon as they adopt those thoughts coming from the enemy, that I'm not going to make it, I guarantee you, I've seen it over and over. They're, they're on their way uh, to their deathbed. I've known people who thought they, were they had a premonition that they were going to die. I've talked to people and, you know, they feel like God showed them. And if they don't change that thinking, it's like a magnet and it will literally draw that to them. It's next to impossible to break through a locked-in thought until the thinking is changed. Those locked-in thoughts, we've got to grab hold of those thoughts, and with the Word of God, we've got to put them out. Now, our mind is always where Satan's battleground is, and that's why it's so important to change our thinking until our thinking lines up with the Word of God. I've worked with, uh, with people who were having marital problems, and if one partner comes to the place where he has decided or she has decided that the marriage is over and they're going to get out, unless they change their mind, I'm going to tell you what, there's absolutely nothing that the counselor can do. There's nothing that either can do uh, until you can break through that barrier, that, that thought that they have is a barrier. And all of the good-sounding reasoning, all of the Word of God being spoken to them, even pleading on the part of the other uh, partners in vain, unless that person decides they're going to change their thinking. I've seen this happen over and over and over until they decide they're going to take that thought of divorce captive and exchange it for what God's Word says. Thoughts are Satan's mightiest warfare weapon. He's got a lot of weapons, but the thoughts are, are the mightiest of his warfare weapons. That's his primary weapon. That's what he starts with, and that's what he hangs on to every single time. Now, you've probably said this at one time or another, and, and I have too. Save your breath. They've already made up their mind. We've all said that about people, you know. And we say that, and we know it's true, but sometimes we've never stopped to analyze what we're saying. We're saying that save your breath. They've already made up their mind. They've taken in a thought, and once they adopted that thought, 
whether it's as a true thought, it doesn't matter. Once they've adopted that thought, it has the power within it to destroy 25 years of marriage, and it does. You're saying that a thought, once it's been adopted, has the power within it to disease a healthy body, and it does. It has that kind of power. A thought has the power within it to destroy faith in the God of the universe. I've seen that happen. I've seen kids go to universities, and they'll have a professor that is just not giving out truth, and once they adopt that, it has the power within it if that person takes that thought in, has the power within it to destroy their faith in the God of the universe. A thought has within it the power to destroy the strongest of marriages. I've seen that. A thought has the power to destroy the strongest of friendships. I've seen that happen over and over. And you can name on and on. You know, oh, that's the kind of power now that a thought carries once it's been adopted. Now, the Bible says that we're snared by the words of our mouth. And we are. That's a truth. But we're real quick to quote that scripture. But we need to go to Proverbs 18.21. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. We need to remember that. But we also need to remember that every single word that comes out of our mouth is preceded by thought. Even a person who says, well, I said that and I don't even know why I said it. You know, I didn't really mean that. But they don't realize there was a thought back there. So if we can control the thoughts that are in our mind, we've already controlled our words. We don't have to worry about it if we control our thoughts. Now, it's no wonder that Satan's battleground is in the mind because he really doesn't need any more territory than that. If he's got that part of us, he's got us. And if he can win in that arena, then the battle's basically over because Satan doesn't need any more territory than just thoughts that he puts in our mind that we accept. Okay, now, Satan threw the entire human race into chaos because of just a thought that was received. If you'll look back later in Genesis 3, you've read it a thousand times, but there's so much in that one little exchange between Eve and Satan. Now, we realize that Satan came and he tempted Eve, but sometimes we don't realize that he pulled the whole thing off with just one little subtle suggestion. You know, in verse 2, it says that the woman said to Eve, from the fruit of the trees in the garden we may eat. I mean, she sounds like she's happy about that. We have all these trees, and we can eat all the fruit we want to. But there's just one tree in the middle of the garden, and God tells us not to eat from it. You know, we're not supposed to eat from that one. Now, it sounds to me like she was happy with all these trees that they could eat from. Uh, she doesn't sound like she was complaining. She was just saying, hey, we could eat from all the trees. Uh, and she just then said, but God said we couldn't eat from that tree in the middle of the garden. He said we're not to eat from that one. And then Satan just makes that one subtle little suggestion. He says, you're not going to die if you eat from that tree. God knows the day you eat from that, you're going to be like God, and you're going to know good from evil. Well, when you think about it, she wasn't, you can't see anything in what she said that, that she was disappointed because they couldn't eat from that one tree. She was just making a statement. But Satan came in with that one little suggestion. God just doesn't want you to be as smart as he is, you know. And that one little mere suggestion, all of a sudden it just planted a thought. And if she could have at that moment stopped and said, no, he's given us all these trees. It's fine if he wants to hold one of them back. But she bought that one thought that came from the enemy, and she started to doubt God's motive. And at that moment, the moment that happened, Satan became the god of this world. See, any time a wrong thought is received and we act on it, sin is conceived at that point. And that's all it took for our authority 
of the whole world to be transferred over onto the enemy. And it happened in an instant of time. Did you know that Jesus was betrayed by Judas because really of just one mere thought? If you look up in John 13, verse 2, the New American Standard, it says that the devil had put a thought in Judas's mind to betray Jesus. That's in the New American Standard. All he did was put a thought in his mind. Later, you can look up Acts 5, 1 through 3. And Ananias and Sapphira lied to the Holy Spirit, and they did it simply because a thought was placed in their mind by the enemy. And they, they received that idea. They received that thought. Peter said, Ananias, why have you allowed Satan to fill your mind to lie to the Holy Spirit? Okay, he even he, he knew what happened. Ananias, why did you allow Satan to fill your mind, put a thought in your mind? See, the enemy put a thought in his mind, and that thought wasn't taken captive. That's one of the most important things that God's telling us to do, to take our thoughts captive. Sounds so simple, and we walk right past it and really don't think that much about it. But that would change 99% of what goes on in our life if we just take our thoughts captive. That one thought caused Ananias and Sapphira to lie. Now, I don't want you to ever forget the power that these thoughts actually carry. But it's not just a thought. It's a main power weapon of the enemy. Thoughts are his mightiest warfare weapons. And that's why we need to be so careful with what we do with the thoughts that the enemy puts in our mind. Okay, so I'm wanting you now to give yourself a little test. When you're all alone with your thoughts, no one else is around. You're not having to impress anybody. You're not under any peer pressure. Where is it that your mind goes? You're the only one that can be honest with yourself because nobody else knows that. But what is it that you think on? See, it's those secret thoughts that determine the outcome of our entire life. Uh, your little secret thoughts, the things that you dwell on, those are the things that are going to determine the outcome of your entire existence. That's hard to realize, but that is so true. When no one else is around, what are your thoughts? Are they self-gratifying? Are they bitter thoughts where you're just angry with somebody? Maybe it's thoughts of retaliation, thinking of ways you can get back at somebody who's done you wrong. And you wouldn't say it to anybody else, but when you're all alone, the, what is it, that the, the thoughts that go through your mind? What about those thoughts of times when you've been hurt, where you just, you just think back on, I can't believe how, how badly I was hurt. They really hurt me that day. We, we need to think about what are the thoughts that go on in my private thought life that I don't let anybody else know, but when I'm alone, I think on them. Are they fantasy thoughts? Are they money-hungry, greedy thoughts? That's what some people think on. Are they thoughts of guilt? Some people, they, they go right back to, oh, I feel so guilty about what I did. They don't tell it to anybody else, but they think it when they're alone. Sometimes it's thoughts of regret, what could have been. Sometimes it's lustful sexual thoughts. Thought, uh, sometimes w I've had women admit to me that when they're alone, they have lots of thoughts of divorce. And it will eventually ruin their marriage. Even if they don't get a divorce, it'll ruin their marriage. God wants us to put all those thoughts under the blood and absolutely put them down and move on with him. Those thoughts that don't line up with the Word of God, those are Satan's mightiest warfare weapons, and they will do damage. Now, a lot of people think, well, what does it hurt? I'm not going to put any of these thoughts into action. It's things I think on, but I would never put action to them. So what does it hurt? I've had people ask me that. Listen, it does hurt. Proverbs 23, 7, you need to mark it in your Bible, because it says, as a man thinks in his heart, 
That's who he is. I mean, that is a powerful statement. As a man thinks, that's who he is. Our private thought life tells us who we really are. Those thoughts are the level of our spiritual maturity. Whatever our thinking is, that, that's the level of your spiritual maturity. Those negative thoughts are barriers through which the blessings of God absolutely can't come in that area. Now, our spiritual authority is transferred over onto what we think on. Your, your authority will be transferred, uh, maybe subconscious. You might not even see it first, but I guarantee you it'll start affecting your life. Now, I'm going to say it again, but our spiritual authority is constantly being transferred over onto what we think on, what, what goes through our mind. And it's sobering when we think how easy it is to transfer our authority. Eve did that in the twinkling of an eye. That's why we have to be so careful. It can happen instantly. Now, 1 Chronicles 28, verse 9, it says the Lord searches all the hearts. Now, we're aware of that. We know that he searches the hearts. But then it goes on to say that he understands every intent of our thoughts. So you may think you're thinking it alone. I'll tell you what, God knows. Our thoughts are never done in secret. And we talk a lot about the choices that we make, but few people realize that our choices operate in the thought life more than any other place. So many people have never trained themselves to control their thoughts. Just, they'll control their actions. They'll be careful. They don't want people to see them and, and think badly of them. But they, they won't control their thoughts unless they really understand this. One of the most important things we need to teach our children is the importance of what they think on. That, that needs to be the first, one of the first things you teach your children. Have little sessions with your children and, and start teaching them how important this is. When Bill was five years old, we took him on a trip. And as we were going down the highway, we noticed that a lot of times he would just sit there thinking. Jack and I talked about it, and we said, I wonder what he's thinking on, just sitting there. Because it didn't happen just once or twice. He did it a lot. So we got to talking to him and got him to tell us what he was thinking on. So we need to teach our children and grandchildren that every mood, every attitude they have, every action is preceded by thought. They need to know that. They need to be told that. And when they're taught that, they'll start paying attention. It's amazing how fast they'll start paying attention. We need to fill their little minds with who they are in Christ Jesus. That needs to be what they think on. Oh, the Bible says that I can do this because of Jesus. Find ways to fill their mind with scriptures on obedience and gratitude and, and what happens because of that. Fill their minds with the thought that God has a plan for their life. A lot of kids have never even stopped to think that God has a plan for them. So we need to help them fill their mind, fill their thinking. Teach them how to wash their mind with the water of the Word. We read across that and we don't pay that much attention to it. But when God tells us that we can wash those thoughts out of our mind with the water of the Word, He means that literally. We can do that. Teach them that there are only two gates that go into their brain. Most people don't know that. They've never thought about that. We have an eye gate and we have an ear gate, and absolutely nothing else can go into the brain except through the eye gate or through the ear gate. So teach them when to open those gates and, and when to keep those gates closed. And you can make a game out of it with the kids. They love to think about that, that it's two gates. Now, every one of us will give an account of how diligent we were to open and close those gates at just the right moment. And we're going to give an account of that. 
The scientific secular world tells us that when a person sees or hears something five times, it's as though they personally experienced it themselves. Now, I'm not saying that. Uh, that was a secular article that said that. But I thought, hmm, <laughs> if a person sees or hears something five times, think that's scary. Think about these little kids that sit in front of the TV all day long. That's, that's a scary thought. And thoughts are spiritually alive. The Bible plainly tells us that as a man thinks in his heart, that's who he is. Okay, now turn this around. If we refuse to allow Satan to win in our thought life, then uh, he's not going to be able to win, period, in any other area of our life. Well, that's shouting ground when we realize, turn it around and it's a victory. God spoke very clearly to me once and he said, whatever you're dealing with, trace your thoughts back and you'll find the answer. Anytime you're dealing with something, trace your thoughts back. Every negative emotion, every, every mood change, every action can be traced back to a thought every single time. And if you'll deal with that thought and make your thoughts line up with God's word, you're going to find out that you can control your mood, you can control your actions, you can control your emotions. But it starts now with that one simple little exercise of just saying, okay, I'm going to start tracing my thoughts back. I'm going to find out what I have subconsciously been thinking of. Sometimes there's been a trail of thoughts and you have to trace the trail back. Oh, this is what I want to leave you with. You can take any thought captive by finding a scripture that contradicts that negative thought. Any negative thought you have, there's going to be a scripture that will contradict it. And if you'll say what God says, even if you don't believe it at first, but if you'll start saying what God says, then you're going to win. Hebrews 4.12 tells us that the Word of God is alive. You've all memorized this scripture, but it's so important to remind yourself. The Word of God is alive. It's active. It says that it's sharper than a two-edged sword, sharper than any other word. It divides between the soul and the spirit, and it's able to judge the thoughts and the intents of the heart. The Word of God will judge your thoughts. That's why we need to take those thoughts and we need to judge them by the Word. So if you want to overcome Satan's mightiest warfare weapon, just trace that thought back and allow God to help you to take that thought captive and you'll find that you can win over any attack that comes your way. With that one simple little exercise, you can win. I mean, if the enemy's trying to get you to come and do something horrible or go away other than God's way, trace your thought back. And if you'll take authority over the thought, the, uh, the assignment's broken. It's such an easy thing. God has made his word so easy if we'll just do it. Father, I thank you, Lord, that your way is so easy and it works every single time if we'll just use it. Satan's ways are so complicated and they get us in a tangled mess. But Father, your ways are so easy. You just said, decide what you've been thinking on and take that thought captive if it doesn't line up with the word. How, how simple you have made it. Father, we thank you that you love us enough that you want us to be successful. And you've just given us just simple little rules that work every single time. I thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name.